Hello, I'm your host, Olivia Braffman, and welcome to If She Can, I Can, the podcast that aims to edge us ambitious women that little bit closer to figuring out how to navigate both the fulfilling career and the family we desire. And well, challenge is the role we're supposed to play in it all. Each week, I'm going to be talking to the inspiring women who, in their own special way, have done just that. Let's get into it. Today, I'm joined from the other side of the world by Selena Bridge, CEO of KX Pilates, the award-winning fitness franchise with over 80 studios across Australia. I once ran one studio and that was a lot, so I'm already in deep admiration for Selena with her 80. Her working career started out in the UK, working for some of the most notable and recognizable powerhouse brands, such as Puma, Motorola, Vodafone, and BMW, to name a few. But Selena's true passion was health and fitness, and that led her to Australia, working first for Curves, the global gym chain exclusively for women, before being appointed CEO of KX Pilates in 2018, which is where she remains today. Despite the small matter of COVID, Selena has led and grown the brand from strength to strength during her time there, and they are on track to a whopping 100 studios in 2023. Accomplished leader and relationship builder is an understatement to describe Selena But where I'm truly inspired is her philosophy and belief that with the right support and mental attitude, it is possible for mothers to have a rewarding career and family life. And she is proof of that with her two children. So Selena, a huge welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me live. And as I said, I feel like an absolute imposter being on this podcast. You've got the most incredible guest list. So thank you for having me and I just hope I can add some value. So Selena, I'm really interested to take it way back and really learn from you what were some of the most maybe defining things about your upbringing that made you into the person that you are today? I was asked this question recently in a, in a business group and I realised, so for me, a, a unique fact, I'm an identical twin. I think this is massively defining in terms of my personality and and characteristics. I probably underestimated or just didn't recognize growing up what the impact of having an identical twin in your life, like what that does to shape your, your personality. Obviously, there's a level of confidence because you've always got someone by your side. I could walk into a room and know that that person's there. So I think, you know, that that's great and probably helped me become naturally sociable and not arrogant just confident like the ability to walk into a room and and feel like someone's there with me which I've I've definitely carried through I know I'm a a high achiever always has been and and sort of think is that because I've always had someone to compare myself to I've always had the clone copy my mum says she's so grateful that both my sister Jasmine and I we've always been so equal at everything we've we've ever done whether it's sports or academics so it's a good thing, but then you've always got yourself to say to compete with. It's good and bad, but I'm so competitive. And I think that is also just from growing up and always having someone there pushing you. And it was never 
yeah, my parents didn't encourage us to compete with each other. They didn't make us do the same things. But naturally, we did. And so I've just, I think my husband actually pointed that out to me. Just, I didn't realise quite how probably competitive I am. But that is from day one, from birth, just always you know, not say fighting against someone else, it's just you've always got the equal to you that you're thinking, okay, there's a benchmark, can I do better? We ended up, we were so similar, although we always try to be different, but we are similar, so we we ended up doing same same A-levels in England, getting into the same university, in the end doing the same course, luckily getting the same grade. So I guess it's just one of those things that um, sort of grew up with this, but a best friend as well, I've got to say, you know, someone who is still, she's actually in my life here, how our lives have been so different in the end, but we've come back together. But then, yes, go, going to university was probably the first time, even though we did do the same course, we were able to start to find our differences and those differences started to get a little bit more real and visible. And I, and I felt like that's where I started to find my identity more. Growing up, parents... My dad was, he was a director of a a global engineering firm. And so he traveled a lot with work. And again, on reflection, I think there's probably a level of that. I just grew up thinking it's very normal to to travel and have different projects. And and I found that very inspiring as well. I thought that's pretty cool that you can actually work and and see the world at the same time. My mum was pretty much to say a full-time mum at home. She did work part-time for a hospital when we were growing up. And her mum was a nurse and there's part of my mum's character, which is just so loving and caring and all about the people. And as I've grown up, I've realised I'm just so much like my mum and just the strength of my mum and what I see from sort of how A, she brought us up with her, her values and strength, positivity, just hunger for learning and just keep growing herself. Again, I, I look back and think, wow, that's that's sort of where I've got that side of probably my personality from. So yeah, I grew up in a very normal normal everyone's normal in your own world normal sort of upbringing I went to the University of Bath and did um, an amazing degree there got to say I uh, did a business degree beforehand I wasn't sure what I wanted to be and I think at school it's so hard you feel like you need to be someone so I went and did um, a medical course at Nottingham and went to the medicine medical school for a week where you live there you, you have an intensive time to understand what medicine would be because I knew I could get the grades to get in and I liked the idea of getting a you know, profession and thinking life is sorted but I, I do remember those words where, as we were leaving and, and the, one of the lecturers just said if you leave this course and you are not a hundred percent that this is the course for you don't do it because your heart's not going to be in it and this is not your you know your your lifestyle your, or your path so I, I definitely took that on board. I thought, well, no, if I don't feel 100%, if I'm still questioning, I need to not do that. And I guess that's probably the first time I realised you've got, you've got to start following your heart when you're making these, these big decisions. But went to University of Bath and ended up doing a business degree. And I was just so attracted to this degree, which was so broad, offered, you know, obviously when you do business administration, whether it's from marketing and finance and emotional intelligence, that had work placements to it as well. So um, really able to get an amazing, I think that was just a life-changing experience being on this, this course and working for some great brands, typically me, did some marketing-related work. I worked for Puma at that time and the Commonwealth Games, worked for Octagon, which was a sports marketing agency and talent management. So I had this amazing experience in the sports world. 
also worked for Arthur Anderson, which was around at that time 20 years ago. So one of the top global accounting firms. And I, again, I was still trying to think, well, what do I want to be? Like, do I need to be this professional person or do I want to do something that I love? And I think those experiences really you know, started to build and shape who I was and the appreciation for I'm happy when I'm doing things that I do love. I was able to go to Copenhagen in the last year of, of university and study at the Copenhagen Business School, which again was amazing just to meet people and have that flavour of professional. All of those, I mean, I must say, then left university with an amazing degree and sort of all these great experiences, but still sort of felt oh, you know, what, what do I want to be? I've got to be someone. So typically, like a lot of people do, went for the grad program, was offered a job at PwC, thought, great, okay, life is sorted. This is now me for the next 50 years. I'm going to be a tax accountant. It's just sorted. Went traveling to Australia. And I remember finding it really hard to tell people that I was going to become a tax accountant. Just did not feel right. So that was actually a brilliant experience to go and find myself. Can I share who I am? And that was probably the biggest turning point because I came back after it was only three months of traveling and I decided not to take that job. And again, not to just follow what I think I should be, listen to my heart, start afresh. You said something really interesting there, which was I felt like I had to be someone. And I find that really interesting because I kind of feel like that as well and have always felt like that, but I, I still don't quite know why. Like, what is what is the thing that's driving me to think that I have to be someone? I'm, am I trying to impress someone? Is it society that makes us feel this way or social media because you see all these people that are very high achieving? What do you think it was for you that made you feel like you needed to do that? really not sure if it's a level of just security and I feel like probably in a personality there's part of me that just likes to feel sorted and a level of okay this this is it and I'm in control and I've not say I've made it but it's okay so the in our day you know that the professions of a doctor an accountant like they were all the professions and granted now as we know there are so many more but they were the ones that you're sort of taught to be like, these are the these are the top jobs or these are the professions and then you know what you're going to be. I think, I, I don't know, for some reason, it's probably a feeling of I need to know what I'm going to be. And even live what you said, I, mean, I still feel like I'm wondering when I'll grow up. I still feel young. I still feel like when I'm an adult, this is who, you know, I, I'll know what I want to be. I still feel like, you know, you're, you're constantly, um, yeah, probably discovering yourself. I agree. And I find it interesting, particularly... As a woman, you mentioned your your mother was a stay-at-home mother growing up. So it's even more interesting to me that, you know, often we're very influenced by our parents or the people that that raise us. And I find it interesting when women are so career-focused, when that's not necessarily the influence that they've seen or had growing up. Why do you think it, it's that way for you? I guess I'm lucky because I'm capable. So when I look at my my dad's career and then I looked at, you know, just grades and what I was able to achieve at school and university, I, I had the the means to get into a career. Didn't want to sort of waste the opportunity of keep seeing how I can push myself. And I look, I, I think my mum would have been a really successful person in her career, but 
you know, 40 years ago, it, again, it was just different. The, the opportunities that there are today weren't there. You sort of needed someone to be at home to be able to look after the children. So I, yeah, I sort of feel like she, she would be that person today, didn't have the opportunity then. For me, there's also a level of, you know, I want to be, to say independent, happily married, got two children, but I'd, there's, there's part of me that just wants to be, make sure that I myself am strong, self-sufficient, I feel like I've got this as well. Like, yeah, no, not uh, not trying to uh, sort of disregard a relationship. I just want to make sure that I feel, yeah, again, maybe it's that's for some reason a level of control that I am in control of, of my career as well and, and my lifestyle and I've got it as well. I don't rely on someone else to look after me. I think it's really common. I completely resonate with that as well. You're right. I think in today's age, it's it's more common and and normal to go about doing these things I'm interested in your transition so it sounds like you considered lots of different career paths it was maybe it was medicine maybe it was accounting you worked in marketing you're working across all these brands there's definitely an underlying rhythm of sports world fitness in a lot of what you're doing that really comes across but at one point you decided, okay, I'm, I'm really shifting into the health and fitness world. I'm interested to know, A, how did you end up in Australia properly? You know, you went traveling there and I assume had a brilliant time. And what led to you really shifting your career into the health and fitness space? Why was that important to you? Firstly, going to Australia, this again is a little bit of a, it's an interesting story, but my so I met my husband when I was at university. I remember again at our university saying, I think it was over 50% of people will meet their husband at this university and definitely true. But we, gosh, we'd probably been together for a couple of years and he got offered a placement with BMW over in Melbourne. And he was desperate to go and change his life. He was definitely living the married life, commuting to a Bracknell, like a good our commute like it wasn't the most appealing kind of lifestyle at the age of probably what 25 so the idea of Melbourne to him that was that was really exciting I was absolutely loving life and my, my job I think my first job and it was working for this sports marketing agency that I after resigning from PwC I think it was either myself or my mum saw an ad in the paper and it was for a sports marketing agency and it was talking about Vodafone and Ferrari and Man United I was like oh this just sounds fun and it happened to be in Surrey, which is where I lived and sort of down the road. I just had the most incredible working experience there. Just great people, talented people, good projects. I think it was just a brilliant foray into what a working life could be. You can earn money. Compared to my twin, who went into the finance and banking world, I mean, my, my dad did comment, gosh, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Because, you know, when you go into and you work in London, you work and three times as much as what I was earning. But I was so happy and just loving what I was doing so Ollie my husband got offered this job I really struggled to say yep I'm coming in fact I didn't I didn't come out straight away he moved out in the August of I think it was 2006 and I just I don't I'm not I can't remember now if I thought I'll give myself a timeline to come out I just I was really happy I was really worried about disrupting the life but I was conscious about what would happen if I lost Ollie because it's still again part of me going I know we're going to be together. I know this will be our future, but way in time. Anyway, he, he came over to Germany in, in October. At that time, I was like, come on, just be brave. Go and give it a go. And then, you know, see what happens. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. 
So I did and moved out in January. And luckily at the time, I, I was working with Vodafone and the cricket team and the Ashes were coming back out to Australia. So I sort of was able to work a little bit and, and move move my job over. But that, that really was a massive turning point for us as a couple and a family because we started a life together. I did end up working at BMW then. That was my first job. So I've been in Australia 16 years and my first job was then at BMW and I worked in a marketing role and events and sports sponsorship. So I was able to transition. I just feel like it was lucky. The job stayed there for three and a half years. Met some great people. We got married in that time. And then it was quite a... I don't know, the pathway to be in Australia was quite easy. And we went from, oh, we might as well get our permanent residency. Oh, let's get citizenship. Oh, well, you know, let's buy a house because we can. And just kept progressing. And there's always been great people and, and good opportunities here. So I did. I worked at BMW. Got to say, I mean, amazing company, amazing brand. Probably took for granted. Well, I didn't take for granted, but there's a lot of benefits of working for a, a car company like that, getting a brand new BMW every six months and prestigious brand great marketing it was wonderful but I knew it wasn't the feeling that I had in my previous role being that sort of smaller very vibrant agency side I was always interested to know what it'd be like to work for the client as well as that old client side so I had that experience but I did find it a little bit too it was just a different culture it was big I felt a bit more sort of slower, process-driven. It was managed from Germany. Obviously, the headquarters were, were there. So I did feel like it wasn't for me. I know people can go to corporates and say to sit there again and go, this is me for the next 30 years. I'm, that's, I'm sorted. I didn't want to do that. I, sort of, I always had this fire in my belly. I wanted to do more. And a, an agency who I worked with when I was at university called Iris, London-based, they had a Sydney office, wanted to set up a Melbourne office. And they offered me an opportunity to go and sort of set up that, that office and take on. There was a Shell account, Shell Group Australia, um, and an Adidas account. So go back into the um, agency side, but then take a slightly different role in more of a strategy and, and advertising, which I thought, great, I'm going to learn this side of the business now. Go into the marketing, advertising, agency side. So I did actually did that before I went into my, my fitness career, but loved being in environment again like really recognize I love when you feel like you can really make a difference um and also the relationships are so important the um probably the pressure I do I do like working under pressure I like again the achieving I like showing what I can do so that that agency life definitely suited had a great team had another brilliant boss when I was there a, a girl I say a girl at the time she was definitely a lady but my age Katie who was just a really good person honest good communicator hard worker like some really great values like god you know she just you just wanted to work for her and work with her it was a great collaboration and I reckon my first job as well just the leaders in that business just loved their um the leadership style and men in that first business as well but I always remember my first boss, he was just so honest. If there's a mistake to the client, tell the client straight away. Like it's all about communication, honesty, trust, teamwork, respect. And that's, I think, now in reflection, my God, I loved those environments. Like they were just really brilliant places to work. And I've definitely taken that into obviously my, my career. But I had two children then. And that's when I was working for Iris. I was there for about four and a half years. That was the period that I had Willow and Byron. And Willow's 11 now and Byron's nine. So during that time, had the children, which was great. Actually, can't even remember now how I managed to just get through 
the pregnancies and and everything but um you do again probably had the supportive team around me which is very important so, so was it was it that was it the sort of strong leadership you were working for an organization that was supportive of you know you going off and starting your family and being able to still come back and continue to thrive would you say that's sort of that, that's luck you know the, the fact that you were in that environment when you when you went through that transition yeah and look to be honest probably I, I wouldn't say and I don't want to sort of what's the word I, you know I don't want to sort of downgrade the company in this sense but compared to England where a lot of businesses will have you know, 12 months maternity pay and all this amazing support the support's very limited like it really was nothing but definitely from the boss side and the, the team connection the support was there and even the clients like very very close to um particularly Shell and the, the clients at the time there was just a, a great um yeah just like excitement about having the baby looking forward to coming and probably my personality, I just, I had six months off with Willow and that was brilliant. I just, full-blown motherhood. But even then I was like, right, I'm going to start a business. I just, I am a little bit, I'm not someone who can just sort of sit back and relax too much, which, um, and not, not to say having a baby is relaxing at all. It definitely isn't. But I actually was ready. And I think every mother is so different as to when they are ready to go back. But I knew at six months, I was definitely ready to go back. I was lucky because I did go back part-time for that first, you know, six months in that year. And that was great because it was a brilliant balance. I think as mums, you need that, or my personality type needs that, because then you've got time to be yourself. I remember the first day when I dropped Willow off at daycare, sitting on the tram with a coffee. I was just so excited to get into the city and just have an adult day and a different day and use my brain. And I still remember that as just being so exciting, going, wow, you know, this is this is great. I'm interested in the, so you went back part-time, you took six months off. I presume you could have taken 12, you, you chose to take six. That's a very personal you know, decision as to when people feel ready to go back. You went back part-time as a high achiever, someone that has, you know, wants to feel like they're contributing the work to the world and making something of themselves. What was going through your head when you made the decision to go part-time? Was it, I can still be exactly the person I want professionally part-time? Or did you have those sort of fears and anxieties that you wouldn't be taken as seriously in, in a professional environment? No, because I think my head was just in a different space. And again, I recognise that over time, you you are in different spaces. And where I am now is very different to where I was then as well. At that time, I mean, it was, yes, it was part time, but, you know, to be honest, you, you you give what you need to do for, for the job. But then having a baby is a full-time job and loved doing things like, I, I love doing arts and craft and organising and meeting them, you know, mother's groups. And that was so stimulating as well. So it was just, it was just at that phase of life, perfect. It was a great balance. I was able to tick both boxes. I think I, I my personality wouldn't be able to just leave work and go, I'll come back in seven years and sort of see see what happens it was actually a really good balance to be able to do do the two what was the ambition so you you've got your two children now you're working you've got this fabulous job you're really happy you're working in an incredibly supportive environment with great leadership what what are you thinking in terms of the goal you know what are you working towards professionally at that time do you think you had a plan or were you sort of happy where you were yeah I don't think I had a plan like maybe that's the first time I don't need the plan because I'm enjoying what it is right now 
to be honest, my plan was I was new, I wanted two children. So that I was in a bit of a holding pattern from a career side because I knew I wanted two children. Gosh, Ollie and I had always said we want Will and Byron. Like, wouldn't that be the dream? And we even had the name. So we've almost like visualized this was what it was going to be. So we're very lucky that it all happened. But I knew that like that was the goal. I also said I wanted a child by 30. Again, I don't know why I had these really silly milestones to hit. That was sort of the plan. So I was very happy to be in this space of children and work. I don't know. Maybe at that time, I didn't know what the next steps would be. It could have gone either way. So I was starting to dabble with you know, little little tiny business ideas and it could have been fine. One of those would have moved. But after having Byron, again, my, my mindset just shifted a bit because, again, knew it was only two children, didn't, didn't want to have more. So that, that sort of that part had been achieved. And then it was I felt I had more energy and a, more in my head to be able to give to a new role. And that's where you know, I was starting to have a look. And this is where that role at Curves came up. So I wasn't actively seeking a fitness role. Sport has absolutely, sport and fitness have defined my whole life. I mean, I remember swimming at the age of two. I've always been competitive, swimming, tennis. I did all the sports, could go to the gym at the first time I could go to the gym. It's absolutely, you know, who I am. But weirdly, didn't think, oh, I must go and work for a brand. But when the job came up and it was marketing, and then it was Curves. And I remember the name Curves from my auntie over in Canada going, oh, this is great. You can go and do a 30-minute workout. You do the circuit. So, oh. so I applied for that job. And so I wasn't looking, but actually went, wow, this is the first time I'm actually combining a career with my passion. I probably didn't know how good that would be. And what's your husband doing? So I'm really interested with the conversation that's going on at home. Is your husband working? How did you decide you're going to go back to back? part-time he's gonna go full-time and then as you see this amazing job come up which is all of your stars aligning you know everything you can think of rolled into a job what's the conversation that you're having at home yeah he's he's always been full-time still works full-time I feel like he works more now than he probably ever has I'll hold my hand up I've always been a bit of a workaholic I don't know what I just just love sort of okay what's next What's, what's next so he knows that I that that's me definitely like to work um, and I feel like maybe sometimes in the past when we were younger, he'd be looking at me like, when will you just switch off? Whereas, yeah, he might have more of the sort of structured job. Now he probably has just adopted the workaholic um, kind of mentality. But with the two kids, they went to daycare here. And I think, that, again, that's just a collective decision. We were both OK with our children going to daycare and going in at you know, seven in the morning and being picked up at six. Because in those days, which now it's, it seems like a long time ago, we hadn't had COVID, there was less work at home. That's the pressure. If you're working for an employer who looks down at you for having to come in late or do a drop off or take some time, I feel like COVID has been the biggest blessing to just allow people to go, you know what, people can do it all. You can do a drop, you can do an hour of work or whatever beforehand. You can drop off a child at school and be present in their life. You can go back to work. And you can still get so much done. Whereas when I was, when I did have the children, that that was always the the part that would give me a bit of anxiety and stress. It's sort of how to manage it, sort of with work. Because same for my husband, is that the husband like does he get the support? If he doesn't have the support, he can't support you or whoever. Yeah, you know, a partner can't support you. So all of that has started to shift really in the last few years. When the kids were young, they just had to go to daycare. But we had a great daycare, like actually very social, 
they learned so much we loved the carers there so they had a really lovely upbringing if I felt like they were in a environment where they weren't thriving or you know wasn't sure about who was looking after them that would be hard but they loved it and even my my daughter now she saw son from her daycare just the shopping center so oh my god it was Charlotte and they've got this amazing attachment so again it shows the support if you've got you know that whether it's people or places that you can sort of bring in that that's how you can make it work and there's clearly a support from both of you in terms of okay we both want to work there's an understanding there that it brings happiness and fulfillment to both of you therefore let's figure out how we can both work (laughs) and do this and and one of us doesn't have to take a huge leap backwards to have the family I I think I struggled with that again initially when I wasn't working full-time just that that mentality of I am now relying on someone else to be the breadwinner or bring in I, I don't like the feeling of being insignificant or inferior to someone else and I know it's silly and my, my husband's not there trying to say, right, here's your here's your pocket money. He'd never do that. But I do remember that feeling now of going, oh, you know, I don't I don't like the fact I'm not the one bringing the money. You, you, there is part of you thinking, oh, I've got to ask if I want to go and do something or it's, again, it's probably a big driver for me when I'm you know, going back into that, that career. It's really important that I feel strong. I'm fulfilling my capabilities or my my potential as well and it sounds like you've had that from a really a really young age and and therefore it's a pretty big shift in identity to suddenly not have that and and because of biology you know it's not necessarily because of um, any other factor what's funny is often my my husband will say oh I would be a brilliant full-time dad then again when he has had the full-time dad responsibilities like oh god this is really hard and then he'll say, you know, I, I'd be a brilliant retired person. I'm very happy to. Whereas I always say, I, I never want to retire. Like, I love having stuff to do. But if it came to it and he was at home full time and retired and I was working, I would know, I'd know then I'd sort of have that resentment. To be like, no, no, you, you can contribute too. It's very much I want it to be equal. I don't really want a, a relationship where one has got more power than the other. So it goes, it goes both ways. I'll never forget when I was first dating my now husband and I was saying I'm really ambitious and I want to achieve all these things and he was like just so you know I'd love to be a man of leisure so I fully support you doing anything and everything you want to do and I will happily go and be this at home and I was the same I was thinking hold on but because I'm ambitious I'm also attracted to ambition and I equally want that person to contribute and achieve and and have their own fulfillment but it was it was quite interesting because not many men had that perspective <laughs> funny how things are changing because probably back in the day there is obviously the men go we, we used to always say well, what does your dad do you don't say what does your mum do now and that that's a big driver and I'm very conscious of how much I do work but I also I, I think and I know my children are proud of you know what what I do do and I feel like that is a mate a, a big part as well I want them to be proud of me and I want them to go Oh, I want to be like my mom, or I, you know, I want to be career. So, funny, back in the day, it was like always oh, about the dad. Whereas, and they probably never thought, can I do? They felt forced into I've got to be this person as well. I'm interested in what happened in 2018. So, 2018 comes around. Erin Smith, founder of KX, comes across you, approaches you, and appoints you CEO of his business, his baby which is no small thing when a founder decides to appoint a CEO in, in their business. 
How did it come about? And what was it about you that meant he had the confidence that you were the right person? So I had met Aaron, it was probably two or three years before I before I accepted the job. Because again, he was obviously in the fitness franchise space. And so there'd be franchising events in particular that we'd catch up. I also discovered his wife was Andy, who I knew very, very well at BMW. So Andy and I had a history from 16 years ago. He actually hosted my hen party. She came to our wedding. So Andy's actually been in an Ollie's life too from the beginning. So that was a very unique connection. And yeah, I mean, Aaron and I would talk about roles. Initially, he'd talk about role, but I was very happy. I knew I had a lot to achieve and do at Curves. And again, I was loving what I was doing. I wasn't looking to move and also had my, had life sorted in terms of kids are doing this and I'm doing this. It was the thought of a change, just know that that's going to, I don't know if I can take on that change again. It's all about the right time. But in 2018, my mum made the decision to move to Australia. So that was suddenly huge because I knew that she was going to be an extra support and part of our, our family lifestyle. And we, we talked a little bit about this, but I suddenly had someone else that would be able to support. If I was to do something different, she was there. Like the idea of, even though the roles were quite similar, it would be, a, you know, learning a new business and, and sort of taking that just a whole new headspace. So I think mum coming over was a big catalyst. Aaron had had someone else in the role, not as a CEO, but a, a COO, and that hadn't worked out. So I think you'd been a little bit, um, not say burnt might be the wrong word, but finding the right person was really important to him. And then for me, there, was, there were some massive changes happening at Curves. There was a lot of sales happening at the high level. It was owned by a private equity firm and the IP was being sold one way and the, the master rights were being sold another. There was actually a lot of disruption. So again, it was these three things collided to go, this is the time. If I'm going to move it, it's now. So yeah, so I remember sitting down with, with Aaron to talk about the COO role, but he just said, look, just want to be able to offer the CEO role. And Andy's there too. Yeah, thinking about where he wants to be in the business and the fact he really wanted to be able to step out of the day-to-day, the decision-making. He'd already been in there for, well, fr- franchising probably about four or five years. The business now is 12 years old, but he yeah, he didn't franchise straight away. Um, he, he just realized it wasn't what he loved, but he could see I had such passion for franchising as well because franchising is a whole different beast. It is one feel like my role is actually just a massive customer service role because it's all about stakeholder management. You have all these independent, to say investors, none of our owners are investors. They don't just put money in and see what happens. They're invested into the brand. It is so based on passion, belief, relationships. And you've got to just love that, which I do. I think Aaron loved it and loves aspect he loves the brand but he loves innovation he loves sort of like some of the big stuff and he he's probably he and Andy this is what attracted me actually to KX and I always say it to them all the time especially getting through COVID they are so passionate about the business that as founders that Andy is opening up a studio next year in Noosa with a friend like they're investing again like personal money to open up studios because they love it so much and you know, for our conference this year, we, we really went back to our purpose, which is changing lives to the better. We are in it because we generally or genuinely love the fact people like 
you can attest to this, come in and love the workout, feel better, stronger, they make friends. It's just this amazing vibe within the community. And that is actually success. If it was just money, and I've been, again, owned by private equity firms where your, your goals are definitely skewed towards profit margins and, and numbers, that's a very different story. And you look at COVID where there's a lot of factors you cannot control. Where COVID, I would say stronger and more passionate than ever because everyone knows why we're in it. So, yeah, Aaron and Andy, I said that to them. I've gone from a massive, massive organisation to privately owned, small Australian business with such potential. And again, I'm like, I can make a difference here. And that that's where I like to work. So I'm interested in a day in the life of Selena. Before we started recording, you listed me about five things you've already done this morning. And I just want to, I just want to make out that we started this conversation at 8am for you and you literally listed five things that you've already done. What, what does an average day look like for Selena, the CEO, you know, with, with two kids. I do get up about 4.30. On a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I swim. I swim in a squad. So I've gone back to a passion that I had growing up. And I, I love that. I love being part of a swim squad and, and sort of pushing myself there. So I'll get home about sort of 6.15, 6.30, take the dog for a walk, make sure the kids' lunches are all, you know, sorted. Kids start to get up. My daughter's a bit like me. So she does try and get up early, but so please don't get up before 6.15. I just, I need my time. I'll be honest, I, and I saw someone else actually, a, an article from a CEO saying, you know, those effective habits of CEOs, what do they do? And there's people say, don't check your emails because they can really bring yourself down or distract you. But he said he does, and like, like I do too. I wake It's part of my waking up. I wake up just to assess, like really, what am I walking into? Apart from stuff that I know that's happy, is there anything that's happened overnight that I will need to address or can I get on with the routines? My husband and I will take turns in taking the kids into school. So that sort of just depends. We're very flexible with work at the moment. And I think I'll keep it that way because I just know the pressures of rigidity. I don't want to say to people, 100% at home, that was not fun in COVID. And likewise, 100% in the office. It's all about productivity and, and the team. But I will find I work about 40 minutes away from home, probably two or three times a week. But it just depends on schedule that I'll go into the office or I just once the kids are off, either way, I'll just start work. And same at the other end, I may or may not do a school pickup. Depends on my husband's schedule. We'll, we'll sort of chop and change that. Kids do do sports. I tend to take my laptop and just carry on working. And to be honest, I just don't watch TV really I rarely watch tv and I'd like to once in a while there's a great series like brilliant okay this will force me into I get hooked in great but that's probably where I'll have the time because if I'm not doing children's stuff I'm doing the work stuff probably recognize I haven't said I'm doing the husband stuff and that is definitely where to say you can't not say you can't have it all that's the area to work on like we're both so focused on his work here's the kids is everyone else fine like do sports we don't go, oh, look, every every Monday we have date night. You know, you definitely get the families like, we, we do our date nights. We've got our mum, parents only holidays. That's an area that we need to definitely be better at. And I'd go, look, something always has to give. But probably just in a, we've just got to do this to, to get through this this phase. Now, I love that you strongly believe that it, it's possible for women to feel really rewarded and fulfilled by their career and still feel like they're doing a good job at being a mother and having a family and it's not to the detriment of their children and and their happiness 
it's kind of music to my ears and I think I also think for a lot of mothers or or want to be mothers that is a reality that still probably feels like a faraway dream or they can't quite understand how it's possible or maybe it's circumstantial or maybe it's related to someone's earning potential or being part of a really progressive employer I don't know why is it that you believe that what what's led you to have that philosophy that gosh I wish everyone had I think you said a couple of things though to make it happen you do have to have the support of an employer because gosh if you didn't you know you just it won't work and there are definitely businesses that say you have to be in at eight o'clock and you're leaving at five and there is no care factor for whatever family priorities there are so I again I love the fact I'm now in a role that I can make sure everyone feels so comfortable if they need to go and do something even for their dog you know it's just because it's a dog versus a child like I just want people to know that they can live their lives but also, you know, there's a mutual respect. They've, they've got to do their job. But I want to be able to create an environment where people can thrive. So you've got to be in the right environment. And we know that not all companies have got that yet, but hopefully that will change. Yeah, you've, you do have to have that understanding with a partner as well, of course. And that's probably quite key. I mean, as I said, right from the beginning, Ollie, so we went to the same university. He knew I was doing business. He, I was doing placements and you know, everything right from the start. So he, he knew what he was getting into. You know, th- this is me. So I think it's really important at the beginning that you know, as, as partners, you sort of know, are you, are you wanting to work? And like, what are your ambitions? Because that could be a big issue if someone actually really wants to go back to work and by any chance the husband says, no, you know, husband or wife says, no, you're not, you're, you're staying here. Like that would be hard so I feel I feel lucky because I've had I found found the right employer and obviously now my employer is Aaron and Andy who do trust me and then I'm trying to create this new culture which has obviously shifted massively it wasn't like this 12 years ago because it was different times so yeah probably a bit of luck but also sort of knowing knowing what, what you want and also knowing it changes as I said when Will and Byron were young I wasn't looking to be I mean I never expected to be in this role I wasn't hunting it out um but I also didn't really know what I was hunting I was just in that moment and there's always change it sounds like you were hunting a feeling like you keep kept on going into roles where you had a feeling that it was the right role or the wrong role and even though there could be comparisons between them you were pretty in touch with I'm happy doing this or this doesn't quite feel like me and that has transcended different sectors different roles different professions which is really interesting and actually the ability to tune into that inner voice is so important because you have a rewarding career at the moment because deep down you know what makes you happy when you're work within work and I don't think a lot of people necessarily tune into that no and that's where I feel so lucky because I do love what I do I said that to Aaron the other day because we are expanding globally and we had some of our international partners over and I was saying that to them like again I still can't believe this is work I love the fact work can give you a life so I don't don't really see it as a career this is my lifestyle where I'm able to challenge my mind meet great people work on exciting projects hopefully give others opportunities now that that is my leadership style and that's probably one thing I think again you have to be a certain, to be a boss, you have to be a certain type of person. And when you're growing up, you have to be that male who is like really harsh and strong and like will whip people into 
that's what I thought okay that's so I won't be that person but that that's that's obviously the boss type whereas for me growing up you realize you don't have to be that person you have to create the environment that works for your personality and about I'm just not a dictator I love seeing other people be the best version of themselves and bring together the right people and power others I'm not there saying I'm better than than you at all so I used to think that was a weakness going I need to absolutely tell everyone what to do and they must follow whereas my style is very much let's let's give everyone those opportunities to to grow into to their roles so I, I just love the fact this is that that is work but it's it's the lifestyle but I think also when we think I often ask myself the question what do businesses have to do to support women to feel that they have they have a really rewarding career and can be a mother and and do what they want to do personally as well and actually if there were leaders like you at the forefront of every business it doesn't have to be a woman just but someone that thinks in the way that you think the world would be a pretty different place the stats are pretty horrific in terms of how many women are either forced out of work because there's just no way that they can do it in a way that's not to the detriment of their children actually if if there were more businesses that that were supportive in the way that you are it'll be pretty different I do recognize though that not everyone is like me and someone might join KX and go god I don't like this culture like I like it when it's this or I like that structure or whatever it is and I also respect employees like I've worked for a number of businesses and had a great colorful career I also don't expect people to stay with me forever I want them to stay with me if they feel that they are growing and learning and being the best version of themselves. If that journey ends, then you know they need to make that decision. So I think it comes back to it. It's so important to, yeah, if you can tune into how you feel, it's not me to create the environment. Say again, I've created it. So you need to come and stay because this is what I've got to offer you. It's really that person going like, yeah, is this, is this me? Is this the place? Is this where I can grow and add value and yeah, feel the connection to the purpose of, of the company. I remember Janine Ellis, who um, founded Boost, and she someone said, oh, how do you motivate people? She goes, well, I hire motivate people. You can never motivate someone, and I can't make someone want to work for me. They've really got to have that emotional intelligence to, yeah, make that decision to not follow a job because of pay or because it feels right. It's, or it sounds right. It's got to feel right. Has being a working parent been at the sacrifice at all of the mother that you aspire to be and to the relationship you have with your children do you think there's been any detrimental impact or or if anything is it the opposite is it does it make you a better mother and have a better relationship with them again I think one of my um challenges growing up and maybe having the twin factor was the feeling of comparing all the time and thinking oh oh, what if what if like that is just the worst thing to do I I can't say whether it be different or better it's just about going am I making the most of the situation like the sort of situation that I'm in in terms of working and children so if there is something important happening that's always going to be the priority and I will go to the the school jingle bell concert which is there in a couple of weeks or and as I said we do rotate we do drop off and love having family meals where we can I take children to sports I find a way to get work around I don't think oh sorry I'm not working like I do work is very much just on me all the time but that's fine because I I love that and then I can integrate it 
and again, I guess it goes back to quality versus quantity. Because there are also, when I say to my daughter, would you would you like it if I was to come to, you know, the school excursion? She's like, mm, not really. I, you know, ex's parent is always there. I'd hate for you to always be there. You don't want to be the hover mum either, who is just always at every excursion, just, you know, that mum. So probably picking and choosing and getting quality moments, like, that's okay as well. If I compared myself to that mum, I might be feeling like I'm failing because she is always there. But children don't necessarily want that either the mum guilt is real but the reality is and your kids are old enough that they can actually give you their honest opinion if you go do you actually want me to be here and they're going mum no you you really don't have to be here all of these times I mean that's probably quite nice to hear (laughs) okay I've made the right decisions they're not they're not expecting this that definitely changes already so my 11 year old is very independent and again that goes back to it is quite a short window where you're really needed and I would hate to sort of go right okay now I've got to start again I think I'd feel very lost I think it's it is important to know that you know as as that mother your your real demands of literally if you're feeding and changing nappies like that is so intense like that is all of your time but it really does evolve and there is a time where yes that your children are saying please don't come or can I please be dropped off by someone else you don't need to do this you're like okay it's actually really good to have you I'd hate to lose my identity and think god who start again absolutely and my last question because unfortunately we're coming to the end of our time as you reflect back are you proud of yourself for everything that you've achieved? Do you do you look back and think, well done me? Do you know what? I don't sit there and um, I think you never sit down and stop. And in fact, obviously, we, we've only just met. And trying to think about the questions that you might be asking made me stop and look at everything. And I think, I actually don't think, well done me. I just look back and go, God, this has been fun. Actually, I've had a really great journey. I'm so grateful more than anything to actually be in this position to go god i've got two kids a great family and a a career or you know the job the position that i absolutely love it's just absolutely gratitude to be in this time and i know that for me success and probably bad notion for a ceo and i sort of say it to aaron as well but i'm just not driven by money i'm driven by successes it's definitely like being happy and creating these good environments because that does lead to financial rewards and everything else so um yeah I think I'm just grateful to be where I am now oh Selena it's been so nice to talk to you and a breath of fresh air just to hear your perspective and for me loads of lessons learned just really that reminder of tune in to how you're feeling like what role are you in is it the right one for you what are the drivers that make you happy? And for some, it will be money. And for others, it just really won't. And you're a fantastic reminder that fulfillment doesn't necessarily come from that financial reward. And what you've created, the life you've created is truly inspirational. So thank you for coming to talk today and and sharing your story. It's been brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And hopefully I'll meet you in England sometime. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to leave me a quick review and subscribe. It helps us reach a bigger audience of women more than you know. And 
If there is an awesome individual who needs to share their story on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. My details are in the description below. I will see you next week.